subject than we could uh, cover in a month of Sundays, and yet we're going to do our best to have you out uh, on time and to break it down into a, a small enough package that we can deal with it in, in the time that we've allotted this morning. We call this our worship service. And one of the things that we want to get a hold of and understand is worship in and of itself is the humbling, the lowering of ourselves so that we can exalt God. It is obedience to God's word because he is God. There are many times when we do things that are right to do because we're supposed to do them. God is, does not call that worship. That's duty. When we do what is right in God's word to do out of a relationship and understanding of love for God, then we begin to enter the area called worship. Worship is a wonderful thing. It's not something that happens by accident. We sing the songs that we sing because they talk about the goodness of God. Amen? The special that was this morning now, I'm not going to sing it out loud with my wife because that would ruin it. But I can sing it in my heart, amen, to the Lord. Because I want to love God more than I have at any other time in my life. Jesus said, if ye love me, what? Keep my commandments. How in the world do we know what God says? Well, it's pretty simple. It's written down. Amen. Now, many of you know I uh, have started some work toward graduate school, and my first class is on church history. Uh, actually, it should be entitled, and, and the professor has said this, non-true church history. Uh, it's the history of what the world calls the church. He calls it professing Christianity. If you go to certain countries of the world, they'll say, I'm a Christian. I'm not a Buddhist. I'm not Islam. I'm not this. I'm a Christian. But just because you use the name Christian, does that make you a Christian? Absolutely not. The word Christian in its original sense and definition means to be like Christ. Go to your average church and see if you can find anybody like Christ. Not going to happen. In fact, I remember one fellow, some of you will remember Christopher used to come here. And one time he came and he said, Pastor, I went to that church. He said, those are the meanest people I ever met. And uh, uh, that's a lot of what goes on in church, isn't it? But if you're a true Christian, you're going to want to show forth the personality, 
the character, the love of Jesus Christ. Amen? That's much easier said than done, is it not? And what I'd like for us to look at this morning, we cannot cover the whole Bible, but everything we know about God, everything that we can truly know and understand about God is printed on the pages of this book. Now, we just last fall, summer into uh, the fall, we spent about six months on the history and the translation and that of our Bible. And I'm still amazed at the patience uh, of our people as we waded through some of those deep and, and often confusing lessons as we studied all the things that people said about how we got our Bible. Now, we're not going to take time to go through that, but I I just want to make a statement this morning. And uh, if you want, we'll try to get you a copy of those lessons if you want to go home and listen to them. Uh, But you can trust every word that's printed in your Bible if you have a real Bible. There's lots of imitations out there. In the English language, you need to get an old King James Bible. And you say, but it's so hard to understand. Listen, let God do the work. My favorite statement is, why should we lower the level of God's word to our understanding when God wants to raise the level of our understanding to his word? There's a whole different world there. Two entirely different worlds. And as, as I'm studying history, those two worlds are, are the reason why we have so many different religions today. Is because when you read this book and you don't understand it, you have one of two choices. You can trust the Bible or you can trust your brain. Now, which one's easier to trust? <laughs> right here, isn't it? It's easier to trust ourselves than it is to trust God. But let me promise you something. When you trust yourself and turn your back on this book, you're going to get into trouble. You are not going to come to the right conclusion. It's not possible. And this morning, I'd like to just title the message, Things the Bible Will Give You If You Will Only Receive Them. This book is God's Word. In it is everything we need. God wants to give you His love. But He won't give it to you unless you receive it. God wants all to be saved. The Bible says he is not slack concerning his promises. Some men count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, word, not willing that any should perish. You want to know why God doesn't rain fire and brimstone down on everybody? Because he's giving you a chance to embrace these words and be obedient to him. And in that time that he gives you a chance to be obedient to the word of God, there are other people who are going to take advantage of that time to do more wicked things. Don't be amazed by that. The Bible says it's going to happen. 
Don't let someone else's evil keep you out of heaven. Amen? Now, we want to look at about three passages this morning. Let's go to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. And, of course, the greatest thing that you can have is salvation. And we've gone over this, and, and I hope you never get tired of hearing about the salvation that is in this book called the Bible. It is the greatest possession that any human being can have. And it's not given to you because of how good you are. It's given to you because of this book right here. Let's read First Peter chapter 1. And we're going to start reading in verse 23. It says, Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of grass. The grass withereth, and the flower thereof falleth away. But the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. Now, these words were written over 1,800 years ago. These words were written before 100 A.D., over 1,900 years ago, actually. And we look at these words, and he says, Listen, you're born again, not of corruptible seed, not of something that can be spoiled or made rotten, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. I want you to understand one thing. If you are here today and you are in possession of eternal life, it is because of the word of God. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. The Word is Jesus Christ. The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. It is the living Word that liveth and abideth forever. It was Jesus Christ who died on the cross, and in His death He died in our place to pay the price for our sins. For the wages of sin is what? Death. Jesus died to pay the price for your sins. If you're trying to find salvation in any other thing today, we will not mince words. You are lost, and you will be lost forever unless you turn to the finished work of Jesus on the cross. And that alone. It is amazing to read in the history books and watch the development as people begin to turn their back on the Word of God and, and confuse things that are very simple in the Word of God and how they took this idea called baptism and said, there, that's salvation. Therefore, when we put you in water, we've given you salvation. I, I challenge you to look at 1 Peter chapter 1, these verses. You're not going to find a drop of water in there, my friend. Salvation is through Jesus Christ in Him alone. You're not going to find an organization 
in those verses. It doesn't say join the church and someday you might be saved. 